Here we are again, running it back. Mike Palmer and Tarlin Ray. Today we're going to talk about Mike Tyson's second act, third act, return act, return engagement. He's been back in the news. That's been interesting. And that's made us think about some other uh, return engagements, some other uh, comebacks in the history of boxing and such. We'll get back into that in a bit. But, but before we go any further, Tarlin, how are you doing? I'm just excited you answered my text. I've been texting you. It's been a couple of weeks yeah. since we've, we've been able to get back on. Right. And it took for Nate Robinson to get knocked the out for you to be like, ah, yeah. I see the, I see that's the undercard. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what Tyson like, and Roy Joyce Jr. are doing. Let's, let's I talk like about that. it when something occupies the, the national, maybe even global consciousness and, uh, Nate Robinson getting floored as a warm-up, as an appetizer for Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. Head-to-head, eight exhibition rounds of 50-year-olds. What is that, a pentagenarian? (laughs) A couple of pentagenarians. We haven't done a boxing show. We're not just about basketball. We've established that in the past. We are going to talk about basketball again soon, but we're taking a little break. And during that break from basketball, Mike Tyson comes back and boxes again for the first time in a long time. And that made us think about his earlier career, him coming back now, and then thinking about a boxer who had an early ascendance as a heavyweight boxer who then disappeared and then came back again. It made us think about George Foreman and we wanted to run back, think about George Foreman's history, any lessons learned around George Foreman and his experience originally in the 70s, coming back again in the 90s for a second act. Mike Tyson, really an 80s guy, coming back now in the 2020s. Probably not the same way, but stuff to think about. And and yeah, I think it fits, right? This is, this is what we're talking about on Running It Back. We want to talk about sports, learn some lessons from sports, make some connections to what happened in the past to the present. And, and it's a little zeitgeisty, a little bit of the moment, because uh, Mike Tyson, for charity, did an exhibition bout. Thoughts? You say Mike Tyson, you think black trunks, mm-hmm. black shoes, no socks. I still remember the one fight with Peter McNeely. Mm. And Peter got on and said, I'm Peter McNeely from Medfield, Mass. Friday night, I'm going to kick Tyson's ass. That didn't happen. Yeah. And those are the memories you have. It right. was must-see TV. Yeah. Paper Never taped it. Paper. You were going to watch yeah. Tyson. You would go the over youngest. to a you go over to a friend's house. Like of course, are, yeah. People are chipping in together. It was like maybe have an adult beverage. Was it 49.95? Something maybe like that. Boot, maybe bootleg it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe 29.95. Maybe you borrow somebody's hookup. Maybe you got somebody with a little box. Maybe they had the, the box that unlocked everything. <laughs> of that kind of thing. That was the 80s. That might have happened. But yeah, yeah. Youngest heavyweight champ ever. Mm-hmm. And so what's interesting. When you run it back, you think about Tyson today. A lot of people think of Tyson in a very different way. It's probably the first time they've seen him box. When they did the weigh-in, these are still guys that are better in shape than us. You're like, whoa, what happened to those guys? Especially Roy Jones. Yeah, like, Roy had a little mix of dad bod and professional box. It was just interesting seeing Mike in that form mm-hmm. 
face tattoo and all. Yeah. And then trying to cycle back to the guy who was a monster in the ring. Yeah. Who was shocked when the fights go down. It was the biggest shock in the world, losing Buster Douglas. Yeah. I remember him trying to eat Vander Holyfield's ear. Right, exactly. So, so you're trying to jive with who Mike Tyson is today and then how people think about him. And that's why I thought it was great to say, is there a similarity to George Foreman's second act mm-hmm. and how people remember who he is? Yeah. Because Mike was a had a troubled background. Yeah. Was convicted of rape, went to jail. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of things in his past. But sort of now understand the why and why he's doing exhibition. It's exhibition. It's fascinating. Yeah. And and I think there is another connection between Tyson and Foreman in that they were ferocious. They would inspire fear in their competition in a way that Ali is the counterpoint to Foreman. Tyson, unfortunately, didn't really have someone who could hang with him in terms of his legendary status. You need at least one foil to be truly great. And then Ali was great enough to create foils out of people who maybe didn't deserve it. And then also had people like Joe Frazier and George Foreman, who he could contrast his greatness. We could talk at length about Ali. If you haven't gone deep into the rumble in the jungle and the history of the fight between George Foreman, who was 40 and 0, 37 knockouts. They fought in Zaire, Africa. Don King promoted the experience. It was a total experience. They lived in Africa. It was when Pan-Africanism was a a big thing in the 70s. This was right at the heart of all that. And George Foreman played a pretty significant role there. Purely as a boxer, he was almost as young and almost as intimidating as Tyson. So that's another parallel, I think, where they're... Because I think Foreman was 27 for the Rumble in the Jungle. Tyson was still Tyson, maybe when he's 22, 23 still, he was dominant. And then he just flamed out. And after Buster Douglas, it, it just went sideways. And then for George Foreman, after the Rumble in the Jungle, he, he basically disappeared from boxing relatively soon after until he came back 20 years later. The other difference there is that Foreman came back and beat Michael Moore to not Michael Moore, the guy, Roger and me, not the documentarian, because uh, he- There's a, there's a R-E-R. Moore-er. It's like, <laughs> it's like better-er. Yeah, Michael Moore-er. And Foreman came back when he was 38 and was briefly, he had a cup of coffee as heavyweight champion, but then used the exposure and the redemption story of that comeback to promote himself as your avuncular- Uncle George, the guy who named his five sons George, the ex-preacher, or maybe part-time preacher. By no, this point, full-time, full-time, full-time. But by this point, he was by this point he was looking to also become a businessman, and he launched the George Foreman Grills. He was an infomercial regular in the heyday of 1990s infomercials. There's some interesting redemption story components. And then you take it back to the Rumble in the Jungle, and that in some ways was Muhammad Ali's redemption story, where he had lost his title famously for for his objections uh, to serve in the Vietnam War, then began to launch his comeback, had some classic fights, but did not have the championship at the time, had lost a few times. And I think he was 32 at the time of the, the Rumble in the Jungle. 
it's also Ali's story of redemption. So I think there's a lot to think about. Everybody loves a redemption story. We teased our Tiger Woods shows, which will come, but a Tiger redemption story, part of his career, I think really makes him more the stuff of legends. Can we tease a Tiger show? Yeah. Hoping that after he went minus four in the Masters, he'd have, he'd hang on, which he didn't. Yeah. Now the thing that's interesting was yeah. he's playing with his son, mm-hmm. the father-son tourney, and they show clips of him and Charlie. And Charlie is Tiger, the swagger, mm-hmm. the, the twirl of the club. So that will come. Yeah. What's interesting, and we'll go to Tyson, I feel like there are moments in both of their lives. Foreman, as you said, I think retires around the 77, 78, comes back in 87, 88, and just starts fighting there. Sometimes he's fighting nine times a year, yeah. which is unheard of. Right. Because as he said, he's broke. He, he needs right. money. This is the only, this is the main way he can find to make a living. And he starts racking up, you know, wins again. Mm-hmm. One of the things that most people will say back in the days during his first part of his career was he was aloof. He was pretty standoffish. He would not talk to the press. So if Ali was the golden boy that everyone loved him Foreman was the opposite. And yeah. he, so not only redemption, but he transformed who he was. Mm-hmm. And most people I mean, dig a little deep, you find the backstory on the Foreman grill. Mm-hmm. He was not supposed to be the original spokesperson for the Foreman grill. Mm-hmm. Do you know who that was? No. Do you know who they offered to one of the biggest stars in the early nineties that might've been in a sport that wasn't real still everyone watched Hulk Hogan oh really Hulk Hogan had a choice Mm. do you want to do a grill do you want to do a meatball maker Hogan went with the meatball maker (laughs) same agent and he said why don't you give the grill to your other client Mm. and Foreman was known to eat a couple burgers yeah before for rounds he liked to make them lean Mm. and he gave some ideas some product ideas and it was off and running Mm -hmm. so it probably helped when you think about his transition to being a minister. He's going to be in front of people. He can't be aloof. He's looking to make money. It's a connection to his life. And he likes being that spokesperson. It created yeah. while he was still building up to winning his championship, it started to create a real following yeah. and interest in his fights. Yeah. And it's a platform he didn't have. And it's almost like it's, it's interesting how he transitioned into almost being an Ali-like character mm. in his second act. But yeah. that moment, I could have just fought. I think that moment, Hulk Hogan, thank you, yeah. sort of helped spawn Foreman. He would have done other things. Well, we all might have thought differently about meatballs too. Who knows? Tyson, you read some stories about Tyson because Foreman was fighting when Tyson was killing folks. Yeah. And they thought it was going to come to a moment where yeah. Foreman and Tyson were ready to fight. And neither one neither one actually wants to fight each other. Right. Not, they're like both. You, you read different transcripts. I'm not, that, that dude's a monster. Yeah. I'm not getting hit by him. So it's yeah. interesting, two huge punchers not mm-hmm. wanting to fight each other. Yeah. You think about Tyson, and there are a lot of things that have happened in Tyson's life. He really became a sideshow after several of his losses. Yeah. He had some, I don't know if it's bipolar disorder, some other things that were going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. But the moment, so he got the face tattoo. Yeah. And I feel like his moment in the to put himself into sort of pop culture and being relevant beyond boxing was the movie hangover hangover yeah when the guys are trying to take care of mike tyson's tiger 
Yeah. And everything about that was ridiculous. Yeah. But everything about that sort of made yeah. sense for Tyson uh-huh. has allowed him to laugh at himself. Yeah. To cement himself in people's minds that had not never knew the black shorts, yeah, black shoes, no socks. And that then allowed him to transition into a Vegas show. Well, the celebrity the- roast. He <laughs> was brilliant. He's probably a first ballot Hall of Fame a celebrity roaster. Because also, like, your point is he is fine being the butt of the joke. He's very self-effacing now. He always was. Even, like, when he would be interviewed, his voice and his demeanor was very, like, shy and almost... Yeah, exactly. And he became a subject of jokes because it was kind of funny. But obviously, he was a sensitive guy. We talked about Iverson. Like, I think there's an element of sensitivity that we talked about in Iverson that I do definitely see in the young Tyson and still to this day. And then to your point, if you look at the rumble in the jungle, or you look at when we were Kings, which is the documentary about the rumble in the jungle, that is just phenomenal. If you haven't seen it, you do see the sensitivity of Foreman when Ali and his camp were psychologically abusive in like an unprecedented way. No one has done that. Also not to mention Joe Frazier got again, gone to rest in peace, gone too soon. But what he had to suffer through, just imagine had Ali been, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring a little NBA in because that's what I do. But imagine had he been an NBA player, the kind of torment if he was all all time shit talk. Oh my God. So anyway, I just think there's a lot to be said and they're both still around. They're both exploring new media. So come back at us, George and Mike. If you want to do a follow-up episode of Running It Back, we'd be happy to talk to the both of you. You can at least spar with your words. <laughs> you know? but, but one of the things we talked about the pre-show yeah, is why do these guys keep fighting? Mm-hmm. Or why do athletes hang on? And my dad, who doesn't listen to the show, my mom does. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say friend of the show. Yeah, China. He's yeah. A, He's cordial. Friend, yeah. friend, friend adjacent, trying to work his way in, waiting for the invite. <laughs> Play it over the holidays and force him to listen. He hates those athletes that hang on for too long. Mm-hmm. And it's not only interesting to draw a parallel between uh, Foreman and the grill and what Tyson's doing mm-hmm. broadly beyond his boxing career, but his reasons are is very different. Mm-hmm. Foreman fought again because this is a way to make a living. Tyson's fighting because he feels like this is a way he can get back to society. He's called himself a missionary. He's called himself a missionary. Yeah. And it may seem like a grandiose statement, but people will show up. People will watch. Mm -hmm. He's not one of those athletes where you tune out. You're willing to listen. Must see, must listen. Thoughtful. So it is interesting. And as he said, he's putting his life at risk. Sure. No one really cares if he gets hurt. You love to dive into the psyche of ex-athletes to figure out why they hold on. Yeah. And Brady holding on too long. Mm -hmm. It's Tiger holding on too long. Yeah. It's also, as someone getting getting on a little bit in years, I can count relatively high if I think about how many times I've been around the sun. There is, as an aging athlete of any stripe, you think about what could I still do at this age? And... Boxing, heavyweight boxing, if you have the build and the training, is something you can stick around longer at. And to your point, you are putting your life at risk. Golf, 
Another one, it's easy to stick around too long, although they have a senior circuit. Some of these other sports, like track and field, if you're a sprinter and you're 30, you're not a sprinter anymore. You're a guy you're, who's you're, you're, you're really- Or you're, you're doping. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's a really interesting short video that Tyson put together about this return, this comeback. And he concludes talking about, to your point, the fact that, that he's a missionary, but also that when he was younger, when he first really knew he was in the right place was when he was 13 years old and getting beat up at the gym. When he was feeling the, the rush of being in this hand-to-hand combat was when he felt truly at home. And that's where I think there is probably almost like a neurochemical aspect to it, where when you're back in a context that's pretty similar to where you were truly great, I think it does bring some of that euphoria and some of that feeling back to you. And then it also allows you to still use that narrative to talk about yourself. For, for, like I was mentioning to you, the fact that I'm trying to average 10,000 steps is my, my quasi-athletic thing, but it's I'm just walking a few miles. In my 20s, I'd be like, what are you talking about? But now at this point in my life, I'm like, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty darn good. I'm pretty impressed with myself. I, I, <laughs> I mean, just to quote, uh, to quote uh, Jalen Rose, uh, hopefully friend of the show at some point, but uh, Father Time is undefeated. That's not necessarily his, but he popularized that quote. Yeah, I, It's true. And I think we're all trying to figure out how to fight against the, the fading of the light. And if you're a boxer, it's also a manhood thing. Like you can prove your mettle in a very fundamental way. And I think if you've ever been the greatest, you probably have a hard time letting that go at your own peril. It's all true. I'd say thank you, Tyson. Yeah. Um, bring out some more folks that we like to see that might've been great in the day. Even bring back Evander and tell him to wear some earmuffs and you can, yeah. you can fight it out again. Um, and also the fact that it was called the draw is questionable. Yeah, I've totally seen Tyson no. won it. Tyson, Tyson also, won it. The celebrity star is Snoop Dogg too. His, uh, his commentary also Snoop hit us up. Welcome to run it back. What it was like calling it, calling the fight, but, but we were in a new era, I think by virtue of this launch, curious to see, maybe there's some, some food product tie-in. We could brainstorm a little bit, <laughs> hit us up at running it back FM on Twitter. We'd love to hear your ideas about where this may go, but, uh, but any final thoughts, less final lessons learned as we wrap up. No, I, I would say, as I was saying, thank you for Tyson for continuing to entertain us and finding a, you know, your way back to your true passion. I'll always thank George. I think I've had my foreman grill for 10 years. That thing is yeah. indestructible. Yeah. And I appreciate your push to make sure that we're showing our range. Yeah. We're, as, five, we're five tool podcasters. We've established this. As we think about lessons learned, but when you think about someone's career story arc, especially athletes, there isn't always just one chapter. Mm-hmm. And I think for Foreman and Tyson, it's been pretty clear. They've weaved and bobbed and taken different paths, but it's been so fascinating to see the chapters. And all of it, sometimes it's just by showing up and saying they'll do something, mm-hmm. aka, all right, you're going to take the meatball yeah. maker. I'll, yeah. I'll do that. Girl. And yeah. Tyson saying, yeah, I'll be in a movie with the pet tiger. Yeah. 
Yeah, so don't give up, Bob. Weave. You can even rope a dope your way to success. Oh, wow. That's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. To finish. You yeah, can hold so, on to that. You wrote down rope a dope. Rope a dope. How do, yeah. I, how do I put it in? Taking copious notes throughout. But, uh, but yeah, thanks everyone for listening. We're going to continue to try to squeeze more of these in uh, as the year wraps up. But uh, let us know what you're thinking. Tell your friends. Tell us if you're listening. Let us know what you're thinking. We'll be back again soon. This is Running It Back. Mm-hmm.